coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Promoting peace, healthy living, and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host Barbara Gon Mueller. You know, it's a long time going into a life. That's what we say when we turn a certain age. It's been a long time going. Going is what we want. We want to create a life that works for us and that makes others around us happy. Welcome. I'm Barbara Gon Mueller. I'll be your host for the next 20, 30 minutes as I talk about with my friend Joanne Dufour about what it means to have a birthday on March 23rd. Today is our birthday. I am one year older than Joanne, and we are celebrating the life wisdom that we have gained. We are celebrating, as my late husband Robert Mueller said, what is the objective of life? To live fully one's life, to absorb with passion the universe around us while we are conscious of it. To happiness is the oxygen of life. I sometimes feel God is silently asking me, are you happy? And when I say yes, he answers, then I shall rejoice in having created you. Why did I read that? Because Joanne knew my husband before I did. She knew him when he was at the United Nations and she was working on a course for high school students for Olympians to understand, not Olympians, but the wonderful Nobel Peace Prize winners. And she put together a curriculum for children and teens to become more than they ever thought possible through the lives of these wonderful Nobel laureates. And so Joanne, I welcome you here today. Thank you for joining me on our mutual birthday. Thank you. I'm talking about curriculum. Um, I kept on thinking about how did, how did I ever meet Robert? And I had a, uh, I had a friend who marched into my classroom about a month after I had started a new job in Tarrytown, New York, and she said in stern language, this was after school, any social studies teacher worth her soft knows about the United Nations. Well, she scared me half to death, but she also brought me to the church center. And eventually I would hear Robert speaking. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, I got involved in my social studies organization. We invited him to be a speaker first at the state organization. And I can remember him coming. And this was, this was uh, you know, some kind of a conversation that happened. He, the, the state organization agreed to have him their luncheon speaker. So Robert and his wife appear. And he looks just as charming as can be. And he had, you know, some of the medals decorating him and he looked very official. And so they allotted him something like 20 minutes. Well, he started to speak and this was the time of Vietnam. And it was a time when uh, you needed positive information. This man had the vision that no one else in the world had because all the specialized agencies were reporting to him. So we had nothing but good news to share. 15 minutes were up and people were saying, well, you know, I gotta go on with the conference, right? No, he had more to say. And it got to be 20 minutes and 25 minutes. And people were spellbound by what he was saying. I think he spoke about 40 minutes. Finally, you know, the conference organizers were just, I mean, you gotta revise the whole schedule, but 
everyone in that room stand up and applauded him for about 10 minutes. You're bringing tears to my eyes, Joanne, because that's why I fell in love with him. We know we're going to talk today, Joanne, about our coincidences. I served on the board of La Casa de Maria for 25 years. It's a retreat center run by the Immaculate Heart Nuns. And I served on that board thinking that this is why I wanted to spend my life. I wanted it to be a spiritual happening and I wanted to help people heal and I wanted peace. And so I joined that group because our mayor said, you have to be on this board. And then about 20 years into it, I said to the board, where do world leaders go to heal? You know, we have our ordinary people coming here for the conferences and the fabulous speakers and we're healed and we're whole and we're happy. Where do world leaders go? And they said, what if you want to work with world leaders? Why don't you? I said, I would love to. So we went to UCSB and Tom Van Zandt was there and Tom Van Zandt was doing a lecture at the university. And UCSB is our University of California, Santa Barbara. And he was talking about, he had just created the geosphere. And we said, well, what's a geosphere, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, well, Robert Mueller asked me to create this because I needed a map that wasn't flat. I wanted a round map. Long story short, we said, well, we're having an invitational at La Casa de Maria. Would you like to be our first inviter? Now, an inviter is somebody who invites 100 top world leaders to join us for a conversation. Well, who do you think comes in? Robert Mueller. And everybody kept saying, you know, Robert Mueller. And I said, well, you know, perfectly perfect. Now, yeah, of course, Robert Mueller is coming to our invitational. And as you said with that speech, he spoke at the Libero Theater and the audience didn't, you could have heard a pin drop. Not one person sneezed, not one person choked, not one person coughed. He was spellbind. He had a magic way, right, Joanne? Well, he was privy to knowledge that no one else in the world had, when you still have to think of it, because all the specialized agencies were reporting to him and they were all doing good work and none of us knew what they were doing and you know you barely knew they existed because he was the one who dreamed them up in the first place and so 11, yeah. of, the, 11 of the agencies were his creation absolutely yeah and you know it's so interesting joanne because i look at you and that's how i met you through robert and i look at my life and i think what did i really want my life to amount to i wanted it to be happy i wanted it to be peaceful and so I'm Barbara Gonmuller, and I'm welcoming you, but I didn't even tell you that you're listening to peacepodcast.org, and it's about healthy living, happiness, and peace. That's why it's called peacepodcast.org. Now, we both have talked about the love we felt for Robert Mueller, but that was a happening because of a coincidence. He was here because I realized that we needed these world leaders, and if Don Van Sant wouldn't have invited him, I never would have met him. If I wouldn't have served on the board of La Casa for 30 years, I never would have met him. If the director of La Casa didn't say, you better find some places for him to speak, I never would have went to his speech. This is the magic of a coincidence. Can you have any experiences in your life, Joanne, that bring you to coincidences working? Well, there were there was one with Robert Miller, and then I wanted to tell about a more recent one. I can remember there was a the national conference, and I for the social studies, and at that time we had uh, oh I I grew up in New York, right? And if you grew up in New York in the fifties, one of the things that the UN did was to reach out to the schools, and you were being taught about the United Nations. So by the time I graduated from high school, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to work for the United Nations. So 
okay, that, that was buried. I tried, but I didn't have my master's degree and I couldn't speak multiple languages. So I didn't, I didn't make the cut, but you know, the urge was always there. And so I was on a planning committee for the national conference. And of course I wanted to invite Robert. Well, he couldn't make it. So, so what he did on the actual day of the conference. So what he did in typical UN fashion was to make a recording. And in the recording, he says, why doesn't your organization become an NGO? And why don't you name Joanne Dufour as your representative? Oh, okay. Now we had it on beta. Remember Betamax? Yes, I do. <laughs> so I sent it to the, and at that time, the New York State person was the head of the national organization. I sent it to him and they set up a committee and lo and behold, they became named the first representative, NGO representative. Whoa, I mean, talking about a dream fulfilled. Now, what was the coincidence? He was sick and he had to make a video. Or he wasn't sick, but I mean, he was, he couldn't make it. So he made a video. Well, heck, that changed my life. And then I began to think, well, are there other circumstances? Well, yes, how I met my husband was a total coincidence. Uh, we were in a, in a uh, group together that was getting our masters at the University of Pennsylvania. At the end of one class, Jim wasn't in that class. And at the end of the class, the, the professor said, oh, my gosh, I forgot to tell your group that, uh, you know, there was a party in your favor. So go round up anybody that you see, you know, because we weren't the complete cohort, you know. So I walk out on the street and sure enough, Jim is there. And I recognize that he's in the group, hadn't really talked to him before and just invited them to the party. Well, OK, that was the magic of that. And then fast forward all the way to the end. and. Uh, and he passed on on October 15th. But I have to say, after October 15, 2015, the number of coincidences that occurred were short of miraculous. And I kept on thinking, you know, this man has some kind of power now that he's not here in body. And just one coincidence after another. So I'm a firm believer that if you are in love and if you are happy that that happiness doesn't end at a death. Oh, I totally agree with you. You know, it's so fascinating to hear you say that the coincidences kept happening. You know, sometimes these coincidences are ignored by our busy lives. And I stopped and I started paying attention to the coincidences. And I truly believe that these coincidences are moments when we are shifting something we're shifting into a new way of being or something's happening and the coincidences begin small and i say pay attention to the small ones because the big ones are coming like i could give you so many examples of what coincidences my robert died in 2010 and i just was heartbroken because we had only had 17 years together and so in about three years after that um I go to, a, I'm a, the first Rotarian woman in the Hollywood Rotary Club. And so when I moved up to Santa Barbara um, from all the times we had in Costa Rica and New York, I joined the Rotary Club of downtown Santa Barbara. Long story short, they had a cocktail party at the Elks Club. And I went to the cocktail party and I met Sig. And he was a Rotarian and his wife had died. And I wasn't even going to go to this. I didn't even want to go. But my girlfriend said, get out of that comfortable chair and you get some clothes on and get over here and go to the party. I did. 
and Robert would have loved it because it was so loving. It was a rotary cocktail party, but in reality, it was people communicating, conversations, talking. And I sat down next to Sig, and he said, can I buy you a drink? And I said, I wasn't even going to drink tonight, but I'll have a glass of Chardonnay. And he did. We started talking about peace. And he is a man from Norway who actually was held up by the Nazis. All the Nazis put all these men who were in his age bracket, 16 to 20, against a wall and shot every other one. Why wasn't he shot? I don't know. But he said, war does not work. Evil of war has to be eradicated. I said, well, that's a coincidence. I'm the president of the United Nations Association. Would you like to be the vice president in charge of global affairs? Absolutely. And we got together. And that was a coincidence. Again, I keep finding the small ones lead to the big ones. So let's go. What do you think? Oh, my goodness. You know, I always, Robert was 18 years older than I am. And he was my mentor. And since Robert has passed, even while he was alive, I met so many people who shared their wisdom with me. Did mentors play a big life, big part of your life, Joanne? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I kept on thinking of the woman that marched into my life and told me that I had a, you know, because she opened the door for me. And she was, she was what they call the good German. Because, you know, as she was growing up, what did she do? Well, she decided that she was going to head from the north down to the south and teach in an all-black school in the south. And Coretta Scott King happened to be her student. Well, okay. Uh, you know, I, I mean, the, the kind of modeling that she did. And then she became a, a sneaker lady. And I always tried to tell folks in, the, in my class about sneaker ladies. She became, do you know what a sneaker lady is? Not yet. Okay. A sneaker lady is the, you know, the uh, NGOs have, have their cadre of people that march into the meetings at, at the UN and they're from all these organizations. Well, a lot of them live in the suburbs and take the train. Well, if you take the train from Long Island, it's about a 10 block walk. If you take the train from Westchester, it's about a five block walk. But those days you used to wear, you know, the high heels when you, dressed up of course she had to dress up for the un so you're not going to walk 10 blocks in high heels so you brought your sneakers right uh -huh. and so those were the sneaker ladies and what their job was is whatever they were learning or contributing to the un because that's a two-way street for the ngo they would take back to their organizations and that set up information tables you know and whether or not the environmental conference will occur and this is what the environment issues are all about or human rights issue whatever okay so that's what she was she turned out to be the sneaker lady for homer jack and homer jack put it was the kind of power behind the, the throne of the uh, special sessions on disarmament and we had the when we had the main it was a million person march in 1982 against nuclear weapons he helped organize that you know just like i can got the nobel prize for working behind the treaty to abandon nuclear weapons he got the un to talk about just disarmament for a special session they weren't going to talk about other 3999 issues on the agenda just disarmament so yeah i mean the 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 mentoring of of people that you realize are doing absolutely amazing things and you were touched by them and you couldn't help but want to, if you're a teacher, you want to teach about them and tell 
hey, you know, there are people doing this out there and you could do it too. Absolutely. And you know, Robert was my mentor, of course, but I, we worked together at the University for Peace. We worked together at the UN. We worked together for peace. And he always had one mantra, decide to be happy, to render others happy. His middle name was happiness. And I was just reading in his book on happiness and his book on the 7,500 ideas and dreams for a better world, his poem, To Be Happy to find a way that you can be the cheerleader for the world. It's up to us to make each other happy. And I was just reading an article that they wrote about him. And this woman in this article said, if you were to look at happiness, you would look at Robert Mueller's smile. He was always smiling. It didn't, he was always there and the happiness saved his life. And you all know that from his book, most of all they taught me happiness when he was um, literally up in the, loft of this building and the Nazis came to arrest him. And all of a sudden he said, what can I do that would save my life? I can be happy because when you're happy, your brain will think of a creative way out of it. Long story short, he said, I'll just change the way my hair looks, take, take off my glasses and take a cigarette and I'll walk right down to him. And when he got down there, they said, he said, what's going on in this house? And his secretary said, they're looking for Louis Potazone, which was his assumed name. And he said, oh, I saw him on the fourth floor. All the Nazis went up to the fourth floor and he rode a bicycle to freedom. And I never would have met him if he wouldn't have done that. Same with Sig. Why was Sig al allowed to live? You know, we don't know that. We only know that we're here for this present moment, this beautiful moment, because life is about moment after moment after moment. And every time I look at life, I think about this that Robert said, we are rewarded with joys and happiness for the way we live our lives. This is how nature and God recompenses us, makes us filled with joy and happiness. Therefore, they are the most important yardsticks of our life performance. To dwell with the subject of happiness is to seek the real purpose of life. From Robert Mueller to our ears. Joanne, do you agree that the real secret to life is happiness and you find your life unfolding because you are happy? Oh, absolutely. And, and especially now, you know, now that I'm older and I don't have the responsibilities of a full-time job, I take on some responsibilities that sort of feel like a part-time job. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I keep on thinking, you know, this is the time of COVID. This is the time when, you know, of all these demonstrations, why am I feeling so happy? <laughs> I'm not supposed to feel happy. I'm supposed to feel depressed, but I feel happy. I mean, I just Something, found- What you just now said, should we feel depressed? Should we continue with our happiness? We were in, a, in Sardinia near the, the island near Italy. And this, we had just cleaned the beach and we were coming in for Robert's speech. And this man says, oh, Dr. Mueller, you're so important. Your speech was great. What can I do? And Robert said, you can make, you can do what I did, clean the beach, do whatever needs to be done, but do it with a healthy attitude and be happy. So you were going to talk about the way that your conversations have led you to do what you love. I just, I just think, you know, um, I always wanted to join the Peace Corps. Well, Jim Dufour had just come back from the Peace Corps and he had gone to Africa. And then I find out he's from New Orleans, Louisiana. 
and wait a second, you know, that's in the South. Uh, yeah, and this was the civil rights time. What is a man from Southern Louisiana doing going into the Peace Corps in Africa? That did not compute. That did, and so, yeah, I fell in love with him pretty fast. And I guess I listened so much and pumped him so much with questions about the Peace Corps. He decided, well, at least this kid, under, you know, she's interested. Might as well maybe try her out. And so he proposed in three weeks, right? <laughs> so oh, yeah, that, so that, was, uh, that was one. And then I'm trying to think of other situations. Uh, I, there have been so many. You know, okay, it's hard. there were there were times when I, I got I got actually a chance to uh, volunteer at the uh, at the Unitarian Office at the UN, and they put me in charge of a blog on disarmament, and they connected me with the amazing people who work on that topic at the UN, and so then when I, I moved back here to Washington State, um, uh, you know, I, I had brought Jim back to Louisiana, and so he passed in Louisiana with his family, so that that was the that was an important piece, but. When we were back here and I kept on thinking, well, I have all this information now, what am I going to do with it? Nobody talks about disarmament for heaven's sakes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, uh, I actually uh, went to the democratic group here in my retirement center. And I said, is there any chance you would willing to put on a program on disarmament? And now I needed some speakers. And so they said, well, you have to go talk to uh, Glenn Anderson and Glenn Anderson was this man who had worked for peace for the past 40 years. And so I could remember we turns out we had a mutual friend and it was another peace advocate. She was a Quaker. And, and I remember going to this meeting, asking whether or not these people could um, be willing to be part of a program on disarmament. Well, you know, they were kind of sizing me up and I was kind of sizing them up. And as we were speaking, you could begin to feel, yeah, I, I think we could help you out. And I would be happy to be part of a program and speak. And another man pitched in and said, well, I, I, I would do that too. Well, we put a program on. And so suddenly you get a connection and that's what led to a lot of happiness because that developed into a course we've done on nuclear weapons and you set in on you know one of the sessions but was fabulous you'll have to share that website where's the website that we can get that information because i want more people to join you okay it's the uh, it's the um olympia coalition against nuclear weapons olympia and coalition could... against nuclear weapons okay dot org dot org okay yeah. Good. Well, you know, we were talking about happiness right before we got into this. And I was realizing you said, I'm happy. Now, COVID-19 is here, but I may be, and here's what I do. I say, I may be the happiness somebody else needs right now. What I feel like I'm a pollinator. I'm like a bee. I go from thing to thing and I try to help the person who's there in the moment. That's what I do. And I have realized that my thoughts are more powerful than all the circumstances around me. So if your thoughts are happy, it's a spreadable joy that you give to people. And even though there's COVID-19, and I have listened to some of the saddest stories during COVID-19, and my heart breaks and my tears flow, but the internal combustion of peace combined with happiness allows me to be there for them, to hear their story. They heal just by telling me their story. Sunday night, I'm doing the dishes, and my girlfriend calls, and she tells me the most atrocious story. And I didn't say a word. And when she was through telling me her story, her voice changed. She almost healed herself 
through the conversation, letting me just sit there and listen and not making a judgment. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And being able to listen and and I kept on thinking, what what makes me happy if I can say something that makes somebody smile? Or if I if I could really make somebody laugh, you know, uh, gym number two is great about making people laugh. But um, uh, yeah, if you can make somebody laugh or smile, and and if if after they share these most horrendous experiences they have, and you're accepting of them, and then you kind of gently turn it around and you work the conversation into a smile, somehow, and I think that helps. Mm -hmm. That really does help because they they have to unload I, I i and i'm sure you did too you know when you're caregiving it's too much to handle and you have to share it and you have to talk about it there's so many there's... things that we share in common um you know the caregiving that i did for sig at the end of his life i did it with such love and such joy and it was like and i wrote a column after robert passed because there was a few months when he needed a caregiver and i thought I should write a story about this, the caregiver's corner. I'm sitting in Robert's favorite chair, looking at the garden he loved, and I'm remembering. And that's what our life is about. As we get into this eighth decade of our life, is it our seventh or our eighth decade? Seventh. What are we? Well, we just finished the seventh decade, right? Oh. And now you're starting the eighth. I'm starting the eighth and you're finishing the seventh. Okay. So as you look at these years, what I realize is that there are so much wisdom that I share with people. So like I was telling you, this lady just called and loaded down, unloaded her problems. And when she was done, I only said a couple of words. This too shall pass, my mother always would say. And the best part is that you let me share where you are right now. And she was so grateful that I shared what she said. And I said, your voice is different now. She said, I know, I'm not shaking anymore. And I said, thank you. That's all I needed to hear that you're not shaking anymore. And you know, you work from your heart. Our heart has a mind. Last night we were, I was on a board meeting with my United Nations Association and I was talking to them about your body is more than your mind. It's your heart, your soul. You become this intuitive messenger for want of a better way to describe it. And you just kind of know what you need to do, but you also have to do the work to get there. I think that I think the listening is a very big part of it. And didn't you find after both of the men died that when you meet a widow, you 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 know that they have a story to tell. Right. And you you ask you ask them the story because most people will not say you know if you say you're a widow well you want to change the subject and you say well I'm sorry and then you go on to talk about something else, but if your next question is well tell me about it you know what how did he die, and 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 you have bonded with that person just because you've opened up that door that that they want to talk about because it was so important to them right and such a such a trauma so that's another. That's another channel that it's amazing how how life leads you to to want to know other people's experience, who they are. And you only find that out by listening. You find that out by also asking the questions. Um, I wrote the book with my partners, Revolutionary Conversations, the tools you need for the success you want. And the first step in that new conversation tone is stop. 
just like you stop at a stop sign before you go forward and it's safe. And so in a conversation, if it's not exactly what you want, you just stop yourself. You stop yourself from reacting. You stop yourself from doing anything but listening, like you said. And then the second part of this is help. I need a little help because I really want to understand what's going on for you right now. And so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Is that okay? So it's stop, help, ask, risk, and explore. And that's the sh magic. Share how we can have that conversation because we teach our children how to talk, but we don't listen enough or teach them how to have a conversation. And so I'm always thinking I should take this and do another book and a book for children. How do you have a conversation when somebody's really angry with you? And so I have a peace corner and I use that a lot with my children when I was teaching. We had a corner that was a safe space when you were miserable or somebody was making you miserable. You could go to the peace corner and you could just sit there and that everybody knew that if somebody was in the peace corner, you had to leave them alone because that was their private time. So all these little ev events in my life led to this book, Revolutionary Conversation. How do you have that conversation? I saw negotiations at the, at the United Nations fail because they didn't get the picture. They didn't have the whole picture. They couldn't find out where they agreed. And so my dream is to end all wars and to make everybody happy on planet Earth. And that means well-fed. That means safe. That means security. No nuclear weapons. All of the things you work on, Joanne. And what is your dream for our future, Joanne? Well, I'll match the no war. Say that loud. I'll match and I'll match the elimination. You know, I, it's funny because I, I teach uh, humanitarian law and therefore, you know, the Red Cross is out there during the wars. You know, humanitarian law only applies in warfare. And I keep on thinking, I don't like warfare. You know, I mean, I don't really like this military stuff. And yet what humanitarian law teaches is if you're going to have to have a war, and I even question that part, then make it humane and treat people with dignity and do what you have to do to accomplish your goal, but make sure that it's reasonable, that it's scaled down, that it's not bombastic. Well, even that part I don't like, right. but I love, I love the being humane. Yes. Just, just learn to be humane to all people. And hopefully the end run is you're not going to need those weapons. I mean, Costa Rica has taught us that you don't need the weapons to live. And look at what that has accomplished. They are allowed to have better schools, better health care and all the other good stuff. So, Joanne, do you have a lesson in your life or something that you'd like to share before I read the final words from Robert about what we get when we are living our life to its fullest? it's put your energies on things you believe in and make sure that, that you give it time and you know not oh i wish i had done it just do it just do it just do yeah. it and, and and associate with people who are doing things that you believe in and you want to support them and if if people question you well wait a second you you, you have a right to decide what you're going to do with your life and so it's it and you know i mean how many poems has robert written that begin with decide to it is a decision isn't it joanne a decision to decide to be healthy to decide to be the good news 
to decide to be optimistic, to decide to be happy. So as we lived our lives, you're listening to Joanne before and myself as we, and Barbara Gon Mueller, as we talk about our mutual birthday, March 23rd, and the joy we had for knowing Robert Mueller, both of our lives. And so he wrote this, we are rewarded with joy and happiness for the way we live our lives. This is how nature and God makes sure that the joy and happiness are therefore important yardsticks yard sticks of our life performance. To dwell with the subject of happiness is to seek the real purpose of our life. And so many people, when I'm on the radio or I'm doing a, an, an inaugural address somewhere, I say, joy is your yardstick. If you're not feeling joy, look around and figure out how you can have more joy in your life. Because at the end of your life, you're going to say, how much joy did I experience? One time I was driving to Los Angeles, and that's a long drive from Santa Barbara, believe it or not. And I was thinking, <clears throat> well, what is it that has made me so resilient? And I think it's my attitude of joy. I believe that what I do in my life has to produce happiness. And if I'm happy, then other people are happy. And I think God's going to ask us at the end of our lives, how much joy did you experience? And I realized I would do a lot of things to experience happiness and joy. Well, I'm Barbara Gonmuller, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Here you are celebrating with us two happy birthdays. And if you look behind me, you will see 80 white roses that were sent to me to celebrate this passage into this 80th year of my life. You know, in the beginning, I used to have clients who were in their 79s and 80s. And I would say, well, well how old are you? And they say, I'm ageless. Well, we are ageless. It doesn't hurt to tell people your age because we're getting past that age gender bias now. We're getting to love a person for who they are, for what they bring to the world. And I said to you as we began this program today, Peace Podcast is to bring you peace, happiness, and healthy living. And I hope you have learned from the two of us that it's the way you live your life that makes you happy. It's the way you make decisions that bring you happiness. And if I were to give you some homework, identify what makes you happy right now and follow your dream. Joanne, what's your word? Uh, well, I, I certainly coined the peace and happiness piece. And, uh, and what am I thinking? Um, March 23rd is two days from the beginning of spring. And spring means new life. And you still have life before you. So let it bloom. Oh, that's so beautiful, Joanne. This is my friend, Joanne Dufour, and this is Barbara Gunn-Mueller saying thank you for joining us. Excuse me, invite your friends to listen to this Peace Podcast and have a conversation. Share your life with others as we have shared with you today. And God bless you. And may peace begin with each of us as peace is the way to bring our world to true happiness. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you, Barbara. It's been an honor. An absolute pleasure. All right, everyone, you know that today is March 23rd. And when your birthday comes around, send me an email. I want to know your birthday too. God bless you and thank you for joining us.